Hey, you know what? We could call this the evening edition. I'm sorry. I was a uh, doctor's appointment in town. Late start. Pretty late start. So regardless, late start. That's what it is. Should call the show evening edition late start. Anyways, name of the show is Let's Talk. My name is Mike, and from somewhere in the American desert, this episode is Beware of Ravenous Wolves. You got to beware because they're out there. Those of you who are Christians and read your Bible, you know exactly what I'm talking about. So anyways, glad to have you here. Glad to be here. Hope you had a good weekend. Hope everybody went to church and so forth and so on. Got a new chicken coop. We finally got ourselves 10 new chickens. I think I told you already. And the new chicken coop is up and ready. Got uh, two eggs out of it this morning. So that means the chickens are happy with it. And, uh, well, we'll keep you updated from there. Let's get our prayer started, and we'll get started with the show. How's that? Dear Heavenly Father, our Father who is in heaven, holy is your name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on this earth as it is in heaven. I pray you give us this day, O Lord. We thank thee for our daily bread. Forgive us, Father God our trespasses and sins, as we forgive those who trespass and sin against us. We pray we be led not into temptation, and if so, Lord, deliver us from the evil. I pray for the peace of Jerusalem, and thank you for all the saints and the prophets and those who have come before me and those who are here now, who are steadfast in your word, Lord. And I thank you, for thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory, forever and ever, in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen and amen. That's the Lord's Prayer with a little bit of a little bit of me in there. So our first scripture for today is going to be out of the book of Isaiah, chapter 43. Isaiah 43. I read this this morning. I had another scripture that I was going to use, and I decided to use this one to start with instead, and I put the other one elsewhere in the show. So here we get started, chapter... 43 of Isaiah, verse 10. Ye are my witnesses, saith the Lord, and my servant whom I have chosen, that ye may know and believe me and understand that I am he. Before me there was no God formed, neither shall there be after me. I, even I, am the Lord, and beside me there is no Savior. I have declared, and have saved, and have shewed when there was no strange God among you. Therefore ye are my witnesses, saith the Lord, that I am God. Yea, before the day was, I am he, and there is none that can deliver out of my hand. I will work, and who shall let it? Isaiah chapter 43. It's interesting, the first thing he says here in this, uh, in, in, in verse 10 is, you are my witnesses. You see, that's what we're supposed to be as Christians, as believers in Yeshua, Jesus Christ, as our Lord, Lord and Savior. We are witnesses, and we are, as it continues, his servants, who he chose. Believe it or not, we didn't choose him. We would never choose him. It's not in our nature as man, fallen man. But it's in God's nature, God's character, his love and grace and mercy 
that he chose us. And we know and understand there is no other God besides him, either before or after. Amen. Real quick, want to give a shout out to James Shunk out on Spotify. His, uh, it's MC James Shunk, S-C-H-U-N-K. He sent me a, um, email asking me to, uh, um, use a song of his in my show and I can't download it. I don't know what I'm doing wrong, but I can't download it. So I'm giving you a shout out here, James, and on your actual site for Spotify, it's, uh, MC James Shunk, and he's got a song up there, Dope, More Like Nope, and uh, give it a listen, see what you think. And I uh, met James a couple weeks ago, a week ago at our church. They came in from uh, elsewhere. They sang some songs, and they gave some testimony, a little bit of preaching. It was really fun, great time. Really enjoyed talking with James and the rest of them. So. Yeah, and gave us hope in our future, because here they are, young young kids, you know, well, in their teens and whatnot, high school agers, age kids, and, you know, great, great witnesses. Here we go with the witnesses again, right, for the Lord Jesus Christ and so forth. So it was really a great time. The other thing I want to talk about real quick, <clears throat> I was doing, excuse me, get a drink of water here. How's that? I was doing some uh, looking things up and research, I guess, or whatnot, and cross-referencing things, and I came across the from Ezekiel chapter 38 into 39 there and whatnot, the, uh, the part about the Gog and Magog war and so forth and so on. And it's done by a rabbi, the, the series that I started listening to. And it's done by a rabbi. He's a Christian rabbi. Um, but the point being, he's schooled in uh, Hebrew and Judaic teaching and so forth and so on, as, as well as Christian. Kind of like, um, uh, who's that author I was reading? Alfred Edersheim. Uh, same thing. You know, they they grew up and they were they were schooled and steeped in rabbinic, or not rabbinic, but Judaism, but then became Christians. So he's doing this series I came across on Gog and Magog, and the first and foremost, it was really, really, really interesting to hear the literal translation from the Hebrew. Now, he, he gives the class in both Hebrew and English, so you just got to get, you know, Wait until the Hebrew part is done if you don't speak or understand Hebrew. And then, you know, he'll go into the English part. It goes along pretty quick. One of the most interesting things up front was he gave the, um, uh, what do you call it? The, yep, the bloodlines and where everybody settled after the flood. So, Noah went into the into the ark with his sons and daughters-in-law and his 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 wife, and um, of course after the flood, they began to multiply and so forth and so on. And this rabbi gives the table of nations after the flood, where they went to, how they got to where they are, 
and what their names were. And from Japheth Japheth came um, what they say are the uh, first uh, roamers or the first ones to stretch out past what we know as the Middle East. So he gives all that background there. And then the interesting thing is this. In the scripture, in the uh, Gog Magog, there's a great war, and it's against Israel, and there's a great army that comes against Israel, and the size of this army is probably close to innumerable. But regardless, the idea is suddenly this army becomes defeated, totally obliterated. Now, it's interesting because the size of the army would indicate what? Well, it would indicate that, well, Israel doesn't stand a chance, not even close, all right? And yet, this army gets defeated. What we have here is a clear and definitive indication of God's presence and his standing up for his people Israel. And the whole world will see this. God even says in the scripture, let me find it for you real quick here. God even says in the scripture, I will cause, okay, so I will show my greatness. So this is in um, Ezekiel 38. It looks like verse 23. I'm trying to read the small writing. Anyhow, it says, I will show my greatness and holiness, making myself known in the sight of many nations. Then they will know that I am Adonai. Now, when you get the Hebrew behind this, basically what God is saying is, in an unbelieving secular world, I'm going to show up. I'm going to show up on behalf of my people, whom the world has hated, whom the world has tried to destroy numerous times, singularly and collectively. And since when, they come after me. So in other words, against God himself. Hey, you know, we can't destroy the people, we'll destroy their God. And in the end, the Lord God is saying, <laughs> Here's a testimony, almost like uh, the, the ten plagues against Egypt, all right? God showed up in a big way, and he defeated the Egyptian gods and so forth and so on, and the Egyptian people were, the, uh, were the re on the receiving end. This is what God is saying in this war of Gog and Magog, for no other reason. <laughs> Excuse me. For no other reason. All right? What does Israel have that this, <laughs> this invading army would want? Well, it says that, you know, for booty and for, you know, so forth. And, but really, it's about destroying God and or his people or and with his people. God's not having it. Not even close. Not going to happen, Captain. And in the end, what it goes to show, A, there is a God. B, the Jews and or Israel are his people and his chosen place. 
and see, he will fight and defend them. And there is no other God but him. That's, that's awesome. I, you know, I've read the scriptures. It's one of those situations where, you know, I've read the scriptures many times before and so forth and so on. And Gog and Magog is one of the favorite teachings of the quote-unquote Christian world and so forth and whatnot. But, you know, it's really more than about the Christian world. We've got to remember always and forever, it's Israel-centric. When you read the scriptures, it's Israel-centric. So, just wanted to share that with you. Anyway, I'm calling this part, Justice Has Been Served. This was great, because I'm a big, big history buff. And when I read this story, I I got to get this on the show. So, Joseph Lakowitz, hope I pronounced it right, Joseph Lakowitz, he recalls how he tracked down and confronted, now now listen, <coughs> excuse me, Amon Geth. He was, Amon Geth, the Nazi butcher who, um, if you've ever seen the movie Schindler's List, which if you haven't, I suggest you watch it. It's historically dead on accurate. But either way, this Amon Geth, was immortalized in Schindler's List, and this uh, individual saw uh, up front and personal uh, how this individual (laughs) got the name the Nazi Butcher. He saw and witnessed unspeakable cruelty firsthand. The book is called The Survivor, How I Survived Six, get that, six concentration camps and became a Nazi hunter. So 30 years ago, this sadistic Nazi camp commandant, Eamon Guth, he was immortalized on film and Steven Spielberg sold the, the films from 30 years ago uh, in on Schindler's List. And again, it, that it is a tremendously powerful, powerful movie. Anyway, I actually read the book. It's called Schindler's Ark. And it's very fascinating to read. Uh, look it up online, how that even came about. Started out as a conversation between two men. And one of those men happened to be one of the Jews on Schindler's list. So anyways, the account of this uh, individual, this Amon Geth, the, the commandant of the camp, it was just, it, it'll appall you in many ways. And it, sometimes it may be for some viewers, you know, one of those situations where it's, it's a little hard to watch. But in this book, this individual, this man, um, Joseph Lekowitz, he wrote about it, you know, and what he saw and how he survived. All right. It's unfortunate that he's the only one left alive in his extended family of about 150 people. He survived, again, six concentration camps and became a Nazi hunter. And he, this, this is justice served. This is where I'm, I got that from or where I get that from. He was responsible for bringing to justice his greatest tormentor, the 
butcher of Plasgow, as well as the murderous SS camp commandant, Eamon Guth. So it, it just really, 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 really justice served. I mean, think about that. To actually be responsible or be one of the ones that actually track down your uh, persecutor and see him come to justice. Eamon Geth was hung. Um, I don't wish to do a, a, what do they call that, a spoiler alert? But he was hung at the end of the war. Uh, he was found guilty and he was hung. But to his death, he supported Hitler and the Nazi movement and so forth. But anyways, just thought I'd give you a shout out. If you want to uh, look the book up again, The Survivor, How I Survived Six Concentration Camps and Became a Nazi Hunter. I think um, if you're anything like me, uh, you know, you're into history or whatever like that, that would probably be, you know, one of the... Uh, uh, books you'd want to get because it, it's a true story, you know, written by one of the individuals that um, actually experienced it. So that being that, let's move along. So um, I think I reported that Lightfoot, that goofy-looking mayor from Chicago, Lori Lightfoot, lost. She's not going to be mayor anymore. And the headline on the story read, get the hell out of my city. So I says, what's this all about? Well, apparently she was slammed at a, a raucous council meeting where she was berated by journalist William Kelly just weeks after she lost her bid for re-election. I couldn't be happier. I mean, you know, hoo-hoo. Anyways, she, um, she was, um, again, defeated and not eligible to become mayor again. She, this Kelly, the journalist... He got up on the on the podium and he said some things and then he just point blank said to her, get the hell out of my city. And this guy, he has a history of clashing with Lightfoot. He condemned her leadership during the COVID-19 pandemic. And he also blames her for the, the ridiculously high crime rate. I mean, Chicago is like, you know, back in the old days, you know, the night Chicago died. I mean, it's just warfare day in and day out. They got gang gang things going on and so forth and all kinds of other crime. It just really, it's sad. But um, <laughs> anyways, bye-bye, Lori Lightfoot. <laughs> Hopefully, hello to better times in Chicago. Let's look at that other scripture. This is the scripture I had in the beginning, and I put it here instead. It says uh, in Acts 2, 2, and suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind, and it filled all the house where they were sitting. Now, I want to give you a little bit here, not so much about what it said, well, somewhat about what it says. In referencing that mighty wind and so forth, there's translatable evidence back um, into the Old Testament where when it says it filled the house, it was, it wasn't just a wind, there was a sound. Okay, I guess you could say a noise, but that's not really a good description because it filled the house and it, it filled or touched every part of your body. It was complete and whole. 
All right? And this is, this is some of the descriptive um, scriptures or words used. For instance, when Moses um, brought the Israelites out of Egypt and they were at Mount Sinai, this comes from those scriptures there pr primarily of that sensation or that feeling when this, this, this wind, as they call it, you know, came about. And it also re it refers to the noise that it made. It was something more than just a noise, all right? It was kind of like an all-encompassing thing. And it really speaks to the, to the power and so forth of God and the spirit of God. That scripture is referring to when the Holy Spirit came, okay? And see, it says it was a sound from heaven as of like a, a rushing mighty wind. So see, the sound had motion to it. It had movement to it. And it filled all the house where they were sitting. And it filled them too. First time filled with the Holy Spirit. Isn't that beautiful? Jeez, I, I almost got to take a second there. <laughs> Imagine being in that room, right? After everything you just saw over the brief time of, you know, that we know of that they spent with Jesus, knowing all about the crucifixion and everything, then the resurrection and that whole experience, and now this, it's just like the crescendo, right? It just keeps building and building and building, and the Lord just keeps pouring his blessings out onto his followers. That's just, oh, I got the goosebumps. <laughs> That's just like beyond imagine. I, you know, I can, I can only imagine it. But, you know, I mean, I hope you get what I'm saying. That is just so <laughs> beautiful, 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 beautiful. And I just want to thank, thank you, Lord, for giving us that and showing us that so that we can understand and know the power and the authority and the holiness of, of not just your word, Lord, but who you are. Yes, sir. Amen. All right, moving along. So a penny saved is a penny earned, as they say. And I got to tell you, I think it's safe to say that Joe Biden, you know him, he's the guy that thinks he's president, or somebody told him he was. Anyways, he thinks a lot of things, doesn't he? What, Tina? Yeah, some guy with dementia that lives in the White House. He's on public. He's on the public dole, living in the White House on public assistance. Anyways, <laughs> what's that, hun? Yeah, because he's mentally disabled. So they they put him on disability and gave him a nice big White House to live in. Yeah, four hundred dollars a month plus you know health care and everything else and. Every so often they have them sign some documents and then they bring them home to Delaware and get what? Ice cream. Come on, Joe, we're going to go get some ice cream. Come on, you sign these papers for us, Joe, and we'll go get some ice cream. Moving along. So anyways, I think it's safe to say Biden isn't a whiz when it comes to the economy. <laughs> it's, you know, I'm sorry, but really? So this aging, senile man, he's tanked without any questions. I, I think, you know, listen, don't look at the person's name. Don't look at Trump. Don't look at Biden. 
But I want you to look at the man who ran the administration or was in the White House before this guy and look at his financial numbers for our company, our, our company, <laughs> our economy, all right, for the everyday citizen, from the lowest to the highest what the cost of things were and everything like that. I want you to look at those numbers. And then I want you to look at the numbers since 2020. And I think you'll find yourself befuddled that within two years or less, because actually the the economy tanked before like today or whatever, that we could be in such peril. And we're in peril. All right? We're in peril. This is not like oh, we better maybe move on this and get something done about it to try to make it better. No, 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 no. This man, this idiot, this buffoon in the White House, nothing short of determined, and and his cronies, okay, is, is no less determined to destroy our economy, our country, you, you, the people, we, the people, Do you you see the numbers? Tell me he's not determined to destroy our economy. Tell me he is not the most wicked, wicked thing to sit in that office since, uh, well, I don't know when. To be honest with you, I don't know when. All right? Now, just for the case in point, just to make a, a mark here, he's thrown trillions at leftist causes. Trillions. And some of them come in disguised as COVID relief or the Green Deal. He doesn't seem to have any clue about what's even going on. He goes out and makes speeches and it's like, what did he just say? Again, Charlie Brown's teacher or any adult in Charlie Brown cartoons, right? Rah, 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 rah. So here we have a situation because of his and his administration's ineptability to run an economy, except for in the ground, blaming somebody else for everything and anything they can, okay? So this is why I am not surprised. I I saw it coming. But this is why... <laughs> I don't know, could you be so surprised that the feds rushed in to save this Silicon Valley bank? Were you really surprised when that happened? Here's a funny little fact I'm going to tell you. Well, it's not funny. I'm going to tell you this, and maybe it'll all start making sense. This is a company that only the wealthy used. Listen, I want to read this to you. Silicon Valley Bank collapsed on Friday and following its seizure by regulators, it's been revealed that the bank was vital to the, I can't even hardly say these words because it just makes me cringe to see that they'll go to, there's no ending to what they'll do in their legal dealings with your money and your lives. So this bank was a 
huge, huge, huge deal in the climate tech sector. All right? This outlet reports that SVB, the Silicon Valley Bank, bragged on its website about its support of what? Hydrogen, solar, energy storage companies. Over 60% into the solar industry alone. Don't you see it all coming together? Do you see it? They didn't just manage the accounts of big tech companies. Oh, no. No, no, no. Not just that. And not just the wealthy. It managed the billions, get that, billions of dollars that Joe Biden threw at the green companies. And these are the same companies that push climate activism. These companies would not exist if it were not for government funds that keep them afloat. And they were using Silicon Valley Bank to do it. This is what this Green Deal malarkey is all about. Money, 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 money. Lies, 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 lies. Deception, deception, deception. Loss of freedom. I'm telling you, folks, this Green Deal, I mean to tell you, you might think I'm like some kind of whack job living out in the American desert. I've been out in the sun too long. But I've said for years, and when I say years, I mean years. I said this was coming. I said to people way back when, your freedoms are what they're after. Oh, no, they're just trying to, you know, help or be, you know. Give me a flipping break. This is beyond tree huggers, okay? Because you know what? You want to be a tree hugger. You want to believe in the environment. You want to be a vegetarian. Go for it. But don't take my freedoms, my right to choose, and my you know abilities to make those choices and follow through on them because you think for some cockamamie reason you're going to save the freaking world. They talk about population reduction and, and carbon reduction and all this, and they're over here flying their daggone Learjets from meeting to meeting, which if you didn't know, Learjets spew out like multiple times the carbon per person than does a 747 or even one of these new, you know, super jumbos, what are they, A380s. Bet you didn't know that. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Kind of like, you know, these electric cars. Okay, and where in the Sam Hill are you going to get the electricity to charge those cars? Waiting. Waiting on you, waiting. Thanks for playing. Go sit down. Right, coal-fired plants, you dupa. Come on. But I'll digress because I'm <laughs> I gotta move along. But this is, you know, it's a booming business. That's what it's all about. This green tech crap is nothing but big business by a different name. See, that's how Satan works, right? All together because that's what it's all about, right? 
just repackage it and regurgitate it, and it looks good, right? <laughs> so the entire industry, one more time, bankrolled by government grants, blah, 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 blah. But you know what? Not once has anything, quote, unquote, green tech, green fuel, greenness, solar, wind power, blah, blah, blah. They cannot compete with fossil fuels. Can't do it. So if by some nightmare your bank collapses and your savings and checking accounts, they tell you, will remain intact. That's what they tell you. But let me tell you something, brother. They're not going to freaking let their partners go under. So your savings and checking account is only as good as their bottom line, not yours. Who's going to save us? Ask yourself, who's going to save us? Moving right along. Boy, I got hot on that one. Sorry. No, I'm not. Anyways. Let's do a scripture. Galatians 2. Galatians 2. Knowing that a man is not justified by the works of the law, but by the faith of Jesus Christ, even we have believed in Jesus Christ, that we might be justified by the faith of Christ, not by the works of the law, for by the works of the law shall no flesh be justified. So, pretty much, not by works, not by who we are, what we do, but by the same faith as Jesus Christ. That's how we're justified. So, if you haven't heard, moving along, Trump is urging his followers to get out and protest after, well, this is presumptuous because we don't know for sure, but it seems pretty sure that he's going to be arrested on Tuesday from a DA who's about as soft as, on crime as, you know, <laughs> ice cream that's been sitting out in the sun. All right? Let's face it. This New York City DA, um, let me think, brag, Talk about a crony, okay? So just to, just to, just to you know, put things in perspective, let's grab a tub of popcorn, a frosty cold bottle of pop, and pull up and let's see the next installment of the Great Reset Theater. That's what's going on. Bottom line, this DA brag and the whole bunch of them, they're all a bunch of Soros cronies. You know, George Soros, the multi-bazillionaire that runs the show from behind the scenes, that guy. So in this episode, <laughs> I don't know what to call, what would you call this episode? No, well, I guess we could just call it the Great Reset Theater episode. But anyways, the enemies of, of, of Donald Trump, it's just one more, one more try. One more time that they're trying to destroy a man. Not for any other reason. Listen, if he wasn't a threat for 2024, they would give no care to Donald Trump. Right. If it was the Clintons or Obama, even if there was a chart, or Biden, 
and all the evidence with this daggone laptop and China and all this other crap with money, now the bank thing, none of that will become anything. I guarantee you, none of it. Nothing. Maybe, maybe a misdemeanor. Tops. Murder and everything included. Oh, misdemeanor. Oh, there's no evidence. Blah, blah, blah. But man, I'll tell you, when it comes to Trump, I've never seen anything in our nation's history. I've never seen any time in our nation's history. And campaigns can get pretty daggone serious sometimes. I've never seen anything like it. Well, maybe like in Chicago back in the day when, you know, Capone was running the show. But other than that, <laughs> okay, other than that, you see, the problem is, I think, <clears throat> for Trump, is for some reason, somehow, he didn't follow through on a lot of what he said he was going to do as far as the swamp goes. And unfortunately, those snakes and those gators are still roaming around. So, you know, I guess he's not in the Clinton Deadpool quite yet. So, you know, in other words, you know, what was it? The woman? Oh, what the heck was her, her part in the whole Clinton people involvement thing? And she supposedly died from turbulence aboard, oh, get this, a Learjet. Died from turbulence while riding on a Learjet. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, okay. So, anyways. Trump likes to rile them up. Let's see what happens. I mean, for the sake of justice in our country, you know, I know there's two justice systems. There's theirs and ours, you know. I mean, it's pretty plain to see. I just hope, you know... It just really doesn't get too nasty. I, I really, really do, because it could get real nasty. All right? Now, an interesting little note that goes with this is Marjorie, or Marjorie Taylor Greene, she's calling for Trump's, or not for Trump, <laughs> sorry, take two. She's calling for Biden's impeachment over Trump's arrest saying that the whole arrest is illegal. Which, you know what? I thought the Stormy Daniels thing was put to rest a long time ago. So talk about beating a dead horse. Really? A flipping prostitute. A whore. Right? A porn star. Come on, really? So... Here's the thing, right when the news breaks about there is no doubt definitive enough evidence, the laptop and Joe Biden and his son and the, and, and, and the, whole, the whole gang of them, the Bidens, and yada, 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 on and on and on, we're going to arrest Trump. See how they divert your attention? Now they got it all about Trump because why? They don't want you paying attention to what they have on, on Biden and his, his group. Which, in fact, could lead right back to Obama. Uh-huh. Because as soon as the Oversight Committee, 
came out with real proof that the entire Biden family was getting paid by China for influence and favors from, from Joe Biden, these communist thugs decide to arrest Trump. This is, you know, again, her. This is just nothing but a coordinated effort by Biden's Justice Department to try to destroy one of the greatest presidents that ever ever lived. Really. All right, let's move in. Let's move on. Let's start looking at some uh, some other stuff. God uses. This is a total change of change of pace here. Let's leave the world of politics. God uses dreams and visions. And he does it for a number of reasons. I know that God gave me what he gave me back in my first day as a Christian ever, within hours of accepting Jesus as my Savior, to show me something that I wouldn't understand or have any clue about for, well, probably close to decades later. But that's okay. I never forgot what he showed me. So, you know, there's that and so forth. There's what the prophets saw and so forth. The Apostle Paul, right, had that vision on the road to Damascus about the Lord. But another thing that he uses dreams and visions for, well, and you'll see this in the prophecies of the Old Testament, is to warn nations of his coming judgment. You see, God, numerous times throughout the Old Testament, warned Israel, hey, if you don't get it straight, there's going to be some, you know, judgment coming and not good. And, of course, we read in the Old Testament what Israel did and then what God did. See, I just told you in the beginning of the show about the Gog-Magog thing, right? And ultimately what that's all about, regardless of anything and everything else, what that's all about is God showing, well, that he's God and vindicating the Jewish people as his chosen. Not that the Jewish people aren't sinners, because they are. I mean, statistically, believe it or not, the people that were trusted with the oracles of God way back when, the vast majority of them don't believe in God. So it's not like they have a better place in things than we do, except for they were chosen by God to be his people. It's just, you know, it's just, it's it's not a big deal. It's a big deal, but it's not a big deal. All right? Hey, I don't care if I'm the quarterback or I'm called on the position left out. Get it? <laughs> I'm on the team. Right? Win one for the Gipper, I shout from the bench. <laughs> okay? You see, you understand what I'm trying to tell you here? So God's going to warn, and he's been warning us. I've been telling you. I feel like sometimes I'm the only one in this American desert, you know, in this dry landscape that I live in, that's trying to bring to light What's going on? I know I'm not the only one, but I'm just making a point here. Again, you know, and hopefully it doesn't get lost on you. 
we as Christians were what? What did opening scripture say? We were chosen by him to be his what? Witnesses. Not just believers. That's that's first, you know, you got to have faith, you got to believe, right? Like Abraham. Right? But you're a witness. When you read the scriptures, open your heart and your mind, open your eyes to the reality of what God is trying to show you. This really happened. I really said this. I really did this. I will do this. It's pretty cut and dry. I mean, growing up as a kid in my generation, you know, you act a certain way, you'll get rewards. You know, you act a different way, you'll get punishment. And boy, let me tell you, right, hon? I was saying how in our generation, if you acted a good way, you got rewarded. If you didn't, you got punishment. And you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. All these people that tell their kids, oh, that's all right. I understand your feeling, what your feelings and blah. Your feelings? I'll tell you what, after I get done with this strap across your back end, <laughs> how you like that? How you like that feeling? <laughs> and you know what? I survived it. And I'll tell you something, as much as I hated it at the time, and I'll be honest with you, I hated my mother for doing it. I, I honestly think I'm a better person today for it. I really do. <clears throat> I really do. I didn't treat my kids like that. My mother was a bit overboard. Well, a lot overboard. But, you know, that's just how she was raised. So it, it followed, you know, she, right? But I kind of broke that chain. I said, well, I'm, I'm not going that route. But... Anyway, I digress again. I'm sorry. I got... So, God judges us individually and nationwide. He plants nations. Plants them. Did you know that? Establishes a nation. Listen, before Israel, or maybe at the same, I don't know, time timing, you know, Israel went wayward. They started to slide or, you know, were in a slide or whatever away from God and so forth. And God did what? He raised up these other nations that were not nations beforehand. And he spoke about these nations or these judgments, you know, these people that would be a judgment against Israel. And he warned Israel that they would come against them because they had turned their backs against God. And sure enough, sure enough, kicking tooting, next thing you know, you got the Assyrians, you got the Babylonians, you got the Chaldeans, you got the Greeks, you got the Romans. Need I say more? Jeremiah 18, 9 through 10. Jeremiah 18, 9 through 10. When Jeremiah was called by the Lord, I don't know if I ever told you this story, he actually, another one of those cases where we are second-guessing the Lord's choices. <laughs> so, <laughs> and you lived to talk about it. 
Okay. So anyways, but you know, God understands. Thank God. Thank you, God. Anyways, Jeremiah said, yeah, you got the wrong guy. I'm too young. Nah, I don't, I'm just a child. Go find somebody else. No. So how'd that work out for Jeremiah? Well, we got a book or two named after him. So, you know, kind of like Moses. I got a speech impediment. You got the wrong guy. There must be somebody else you're thinking about. And the rest is history, as they say. So let's keep going. Jeremiah 18, 9 through 10. And at what instant I shall speak concerning a nation and concerning a kingdom to build and to plant it? If it does evil in my sight, that it obey not my voice, then I will repent of the good wherewith I said I would benefit them. So you see, as in our nation, God planted our nation for good, to benefit from his love and his grace and his mercy. I mean, think about it. We got farmland, we got water, we got all these natural resources, including oil. But you see, over time, because of our sin, God's allowed men of greed and evil to prosper. The only reason that would happen is because we're not, we're not listening to his voice. We're not obeying what he has to say. God doesn't do, again, anything without providing a warning. It says in the Bible, surely the Lord God will do nothing, but he revealeth the secrets unto his servants, the prophets. So God is giving us, even though it can be a pretty stern one, it's still a loving message, a loving warning. And the purpose of the warning is for the people to repent. Plain and simple, repent. Remember John the Baptist, repent, for the kingdom of God is at hand. And all throughout the Old Testament, same thing. So turn from our wicked ways, and if we're open to hear God's warning, and we're open to repent and turn away from sin, then God would spare the nation. Remember I've talked to you about Nineveh? That's a beautiful example, because they were steeped in sin, a lot like our country is right now, all right? But they repented when Jonah went to them and told them what God was going to do. From the king on down to the lowliest servant, they repented. Then they turned back to their sin and got judged like God had did, you know. But the point is, hey, he gave them, you know, spared them for a while. You see, the purpose of the love, God's love, is to bring us to repentance. And he judges in love, get it, in love, because he doesn't want anyone to be lost. You see? And when people, because the thing is, when people reject God and his law, they can't be saved. Listen, <laughs> you can't be part-time on this one, all right? You can't. You either are or you aren't. So judgment is going to bring two things, either a repentant, sorrowful heart and into the saving grace of Jesus Christ, 
which is why it's an act of love, or it's a judgment. And <laughs> you don't want to be there, but unfortunately, such is the case for many people. Jeremiah goes on to say in chapter 23, Therefore, now amend your ways and your doings, and obey the voice of the Lord your God, and the Lord will repent him of the evil that he hath pronounced against you. It really can't be any plainer to see and hear and read. All right? That the Lord God does not want us to fall and be without him for eternity. That's not his goal. All right? His goal is for us to be saved. His goal is for us to spend eternity with him in his kingdom. Not in fire and torment and all that nasty stuff for eternity. No, 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 no. I know a lot of people say that their life on this earth, this is hell and so forth. Well, well, you, you know what? No, it's not. This isn't even close, Mac. As bad as it is, and I know for some people, it's bad. I get it. I get it. But this is nothing. You know how many people I can't even, you know, I'm sure it's billions. Wish they could come back and say something. Wish they could come back. They would plead. They would beg for the non-believer to change and repent. I know they would. I know they would. So don't, don't, don't be one of those who wishes they could come back. Because you can't. There is no coming back. Be one of those who, <laughs> when you pass from this world into the next, you're in glory with Jesus Christ and you're sharing in his glory. Thank you, everybody, for listening. I thank you so much for sharing. I hope you enjoy the show. Hey, James, you take care of yourself. Good to meet you again, you and the whole gang. And uh, once again, may the love and peace and grace and mercy and all the forgiveness to our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, from God our Father in heaven, I pray for you. Amen. Amen and amen. Goodbye, everybody.